sometimes you don't need to change everything. Maybe you just need to stick to the fundamentals, the things that don't change. Creating constant stuff in a sea of changing algorithms because we know that algorithms change, but humans don't. I feel like you're going like more into like a Sahil Bloom, Justin Welsh, like that, like almost like very high authority, very massive audience, but it's like so simple business. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's also, I'm, I'm trying to use their angle too. Like it's all about freedom. It's about not working anything because I realized, bro, I was kind of going against logic. Likes in cash, believe that. But you know, a lot of people, when I say that they comment, but you need likes to make cash. This is kind of a weird thing. So now I'm like, no, like focus more on cash than likes. It's not that likes are unimportant. So now I'm entering my Justin Welsh arc and it's all about freedom and just having a lifestyle business. And that content actually resonates way more. So, you know, I'm a man that's simple. I'm a simple man. You're, so Your Gojo after he unlocks everything. After that's right. That's right. Spoilers, by the way, if you're watching Jujutsu Kaisen. But, but now I'm like, I'm entering that argument, which, you know, this one makes more money. So I'm just going to do it. I work with a few artists. I don't want to call them, like, I call them artists in a way that they're very passionate about what they do. So I was working on this offer at two hours ago. This guy's that thought about, we're going to create the best version of yourself and you're going to feel like you're transcending and stuff. I'm like, okay, like what we really do here is we, we're selling like less stress, correct? They're like, yes. So I find that if you're an artist, maybe this happens to you. Sometimes it's hard to dumb down stuff because you're like, you don't want to sell yourself cheap. You don't want to look cheap. You don't want people to think that there's another market, I think. So you purposely complicate your marketing. And uh, I just think that hurts you. So uh, a lot of people that have stuff that only they understand just because they're an artist. Well, that's cool if you're an artist, but you're also a business person. You have to dump shit down so people actually buy them. So actually a lot of the work I do with offers is making them dumber. And it's very profitable. I like that. That's, a, that's an art in itself. Yeah, you make, you make stuff easier. Like issue to digest. And the big thing is in making it on like what do people um, get instead of what they do. So I'll give me an example. I was working on this offer about like making making your lifestyle better and like reaching your, you know, better life. And the offer was two weekly calls plus this training plus this much levels of access. And I thought, and I asked this person, we're live on the call. I'm like, do I have permission to be blunt? He's like, yes. Do I have permission to delete things? Yes. Okay, we're deleting all this shit. And we're only having, we're going to remove most of your stress from your life in 90 days. And I could tell that they didn't like it. I could tell that they were uncomfortable with it. But sometimes you just got to simplify stuff, man. So just, like, there's a saying I like, you write with your eraser. And a lot of the things I do is I just write with my eraser. I do less, which is now... I'm trying to coin this term, OPAD, you know, OMAD one meal a day. Now with OPAD, one post a day. Making one post a day is enough to build a good business. So I'm trying to prove that point. Tell you how that goes. I liked, uh, I was on LinkedIn and I saw your content, I know what you'd call it, your content strategy where it was like the the breakdown of your, you would basically take the call with your, with your program and then you'd break that down and have it and be seven of this, seven of that, seven of this. And it was like, it looks so simple. It made it usually when, um, cause you're basically like a one man content team, right? Uh, no, it's actually like three. 
Okay, well, you made it seem very simple to put out volume. That's what I, that's what I would, how I would put it. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of money in making things look easy. Like if you can make stuff look easy, people will pay you to do it. And um, which is why I kind of like your case studies. I, I refer to this case study maybe like three or four times in this pod. You had a case study that had no value. <laughs> and, you know, it goes against the, the common knowledge, right? Give more value, make more money. I don't believe that's true anymore, but you had that. And uh, your case study was just, these are my client's results. This is how much money we made. This is month one, month two, and month three. You didn't like, like I couldn't take that and, and, and like make money with it, but I could take that. I understand that you can make money with it. And I think if that's the goal of the case study, you were doing it right. And that's just marketing. Yeah, I think uh, it's funny because I actually, I've released that same case study with actual value embedded into it and it did way worse in terms of work. It got way worse. I got no calls booked from it with more value. Basically, I put like a content strategy in it and like a lead gen strategy in it. And then also on top of having all of the other stuff that was already there and it got no book calls. I was like, I think it's just like, the whole point of a case study, if you think about what a real case study is in the corporate world, all a case study is there for is to show what result happened from what. Like, so it's like we did Twitter lead gen and we created this result. That's what a case study is. It's to prove that it exists. A case study is not there to be like, let's give away all of our tactics. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like when I, when I create content now, I'm big on, I don't want to give any tactics away but I'm okay with giving the strategy away. Yeah. Well, let me give you an example. The 2021 JK would have written this one case study differently. So a client had a win. One of the components for that win was hiring a DM appointment setting team. Previous JK would have posted, where did we find them? How much did we pay them? And what was the script? Today's JK would say, we hired a DM appointment setter team because when you hire someone to do the lead generation for you, you free up space. When you free up space and you free up time, you can work on other areas of the business. A lot of business owners don't grow because they're busy doing the little things instead of focusing on the big picture. If you want to focus on the big picture and start making big money, DM me cash and I'll send you the details. Stuff like that. Because you, you want to make people feel, you don't want to make people do. And your case study made me feel like a little bit of jealousy. I'm like, that's a lot of money. I want to do that. So you want to make people feel and then make people do. And that's a crucial mistake, I think. Sometimes people make on marketing. A, a side example on this is, um, uh, I don't know. I, I don't want to say his name, but I'll, I'll tell you about what he does. He's a language coach. Uh, like as in an uh, accent coach. So a pain point for English as a second language people like me is, uh, I actively try very hard to hide my accent. Like that's something I actually work on. And he helps people like that. Now, his content was a lot about, this is how you pronounce the TH sound. This is how you pronounce the R sound. But if you think about it, you look at that and you want to do. It doesn't make you feel anything. Whereas I think, and what I'm going to tell him, <laughs> is to change his stuff to when you switch to English, you're more confident, more deals are thrown your way. One of my clients got asked, oh, you were born in... Thailand, I didn't even notice that you weren't a native. I thought you were from California. And that's what you want to make people feel, you know? Not do, but feel. Oh, that's a good offer. That offer 
would be a really good angle if you if you just put, pitch it hard on business. So like this is the market. This is how much bigger the market is for English speaking versus whatever your target market's language is or something like that and kind of show the differences and with graphs and huge bar graph differences and like you need to learn English because you'll make this much more money and the average sale is this much in the av- of in English and the average sale in Spanish is this much. Like, exactly, just, exactly. That and you just target entrepreneurs who are already doing business, but in Spanish. Yeah, not even, not even tactics. You, like I'm not telling you how to improve your accent. Exactly. I'm just telling you what it will do for you, which is why, bro. Let me tell you a story about a porn star. That is going to be the, the, the little part of the video. That's how we're going to start the video. So there you go. That's the intro. There's a story about a poor stuff. So one of my friends, Luis, back home, we started our online business journey at the same time. I was uh, creating content and he was creating websites. One day he calls me up and he goes, JK, I got a new client and this dude's a poor star. I'm like, what? Yes, a porn star wants me to create a website for him. I'm like, what for? I mean, isn't he getting enough traffic? It's like, no, but he's like, he wants to sell courses. I'm like, okay, I understand. And I thought, wouldn't it be such a sick testimonial wall not to have any testimonials of dudes, because that was the target market, dudes, but to only have testimonials of girls, which is the customer's girlfriends, like, this guy was the best I've had. This dude was amazing. I don't know what you did to my boyfriend, but he's a different man. Stuff like that. That would be the best <laughs> testimonial in history, bro. <laughs> I was thinking about that. Or even like this fitness coach. Uh, he's all about like family oriented. Like he's not about like uh, like bro fitness. It's more like uh, you want to have longevity for your family and that kind of stuff. So I told him, what if you made the testimonials uh, where like you asked your clients not to record the testimonials themselves, but to ask their little kids as in, Hey, are you like happy that now you can play soccer with daddy at night? Or like, are you happy that maybe I can like, uh, we can, we can play stuff together. And I can like, you know, we, I can jump with you and do your, your little activities. And I thought that if he got the kids to do that or the wife to do that, that would be, more powerful than a transformation picture in my opinion show don't tell i had a uh, when i had a personal trainer in bali something that he always did that i thought was really smart is whenever we had our our call to talk about results he would ask me what is your girlfriend saying he girlfriend saying like what does she think what does she think like what is she saying about this and i'm like and i thought about it and i'm like oh well she did say this so she did say this and like that positive reinforcement of I, all I'm, I'm working out for is what my girlfriend will think about me was so much better than like, oh, work out to look good. Damn. Oh, dude, that's a smart move. Good retention hack. I like it. I like it. Do you, do you have any other little tricks like that that you have seen or you have tried that impact business positively? I have one if you don't. Um, I have one for, I have another one for the fitness niche that I'll put and then I'll let you go. So like, one that I have for the fitness niche, and maybe this is me as a consumer, that the reason I noticed it is like what hits me when it comes to fitness content, if you're a personal trainer posting uh, or if you're a fitness coach posting on Twitter, is when they post good food that I like, but they post it in a way where they're like, you can eat this without cutting it out. Because like for me, it's like, I love pizza and I love 
chocolate. So whenever I see these coaches, there's a couple of coaches that do this. Whenever I see a fitness coach post, they're eating like a whole pint of chocolate ice cream or they're like, I eat pizza every day. I'm like, ah, it hurts. Like I I feel it in my soul because I'm like, I want to, I already eat pizza often, but I'm not that jacked. So I'm like, (laughs) how the hell is he eating pizza and he's jacked? So like that is a, it's an interesting, it's like basically reverse engineering the needs and or the, sorry, the desires of, of the audience and turning it into content and it just piques interest. But it's not like, you're not posting like, my client eats pizza. It's like, no, here I am eating fucking pizza and I'm jacked. Right, you know right. I mean? And then you just drop tears above your chicken breast and salad. You're like, this is miserable, I hate it. <laughs> Day four of the meal prep that I made last week. <laughs> Do you meal prep actually? No, I use, I've, I've done it before. Not, not for me. That's your thing. I'll stay for that. I'll tell, I'll tell you two things that I, I, one that, uh, was an accident and one that I actually did. So one time I posted all the testimonials folders of my clients. So I said, the caption was, it took me an hour, but I finally put all my testimonials and I ordered them in folders. So that showed that I had a bunch of testimonials. And two, I could show all the niches that we work in. Because so, some people just don't know what niches you work in, right? I know some of the ones that you work in, and they're like, some are not obvious, right? Some are like I wouldn't have imagined. 100%. Yeah, so that was one like like sneaky little thing. It's kind of like when Logan uh, Logan Paul and KSI, oh, we can talk about the Dylan Dennis fight, by the way. But it's kind of when Logan, uh, he made people throw prime drinks at them, even though they were empty. Because then he said, uh, like, it was a scandal, like, oh, their own fans went against them, and now they hate Prime. But he's like, no, we actually planned that so we would get more free publicity. Yeah. He's a smart dude, man. What you said makes a lot of sense, too, because I've actually had this maybe, like, two or three times in the last quarter of prospects coming on the calls, basically very cold, and they had no idea. Like, they, they were like, I'm interested, but I don't know if it'll work for us. And then when I basically show them other clients that are in similar niches, they're like, oh, if it works in that niche, it might work for me. So they don't know. So that's something that's, I could definitely improve in my marketing, but it always works. I'm like, it's, it's exactly what you said. Like they might not know that I'm working with a niche close to them. So for you to have all of your testimonials like that, um, it, it's about, it's pretty much the same thing. Dude, I don't, I don't know if I'm tripping, but your audio just got really bad. And then you switch. Did you switch your mic? No, it's the same mic. Oh no, no, we're good. We're good now. But for some some for some point it went bad. Okay, we're on, on niches. Yes, I James Kemp taught me this. Well, it might might have been tacky, but he said we are so busy creating contents that we forget about the context. Like we tell people this client went from this result to B result, or like this from A to B, but we would benefit a lot from providing context. What niche? Where were they? What were they struggling with? So that people can identify themselves with the person. Like as a human, you look at things and you immediately want to relate them to you. You know, there's a war going on in wherever, like Israel or or like Ukraine. And then you think, kind of automatically, you don't really know it, but you think about, will that impact me? How will that, how is that tailored to me? So when you give people not only content, but context, that was a strategy. This was the point. These were the struggles. This is what he did. That was his sage. That was his follower count. That was his email list size. 
you give people kind of this room to be open to what you're going to sell them next because there's a lot of content not a lot of context so now i'm making more effort as in telling people how many followers they have what niche they were in what were their actual struggles and i found that actually just telling the truth in those case studies works exceptionally well like it's really really well it's just telling people what's going on and they like it telling the truth is a good strategy yeah i totally agree i actually wanted to ask you what part of the at the moment what would you say the part of the content process do you enjoy the most mm. or do you hate making content no i i enjoy it but um i hate so that I hate it, but I just find it really hard to teach it. Like, not to sound pretentious or something, but, like, I sit down on my computer and I know what I'm going to write. I don't know how I'm going to explain it. I don't know what's going on, but I, I just I just know, kind of, like, this is what I should put out today. So, like, when people ask me about it, it's, it's really hard for me to be, like, this is how you create content. You create a SWAT file or you create your pain points because this is not how I do it. I just, but I can't tell people to sit down and write. Bro, one time I had this fitness coach. Let me tell you this story. I had this fitness coach. And he was bro, he was jacked. And he would squat 500 pounds for like 10 reps or something. Just a crazy dude. And one time I asked him, do you think I should bulk or sh I should cut? And he goes, he looks at me straight in the eye. And he goes, bro, just be a beast. <laughs> 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 and like you know like in the beginning i'm like yeah for sure but then like i go more confused as time goes i'm like what the fuck does that mean <laughs> so he's like i mean all respect to him he's a great dude and he was a great coach but i don't want to make people feel like bro joe's right you know it's like really hard like i don't want i don't want that to happen how about you when you when it comes to content what's your answer what do what do you hate or love the most i think it's weird because for me and this has to do with personality types, like, and I don't want to speak for you, but I, I feel as though for you, you've content has come naturally to you because there is some sort of strategic or tactical benefit from it. And you are very good at doing things when you see the reasoning for it. Whereas for me as um, an INFP and not an ISTP, I'm much more intuitive and in feeling about it. And it has, it's almost like it has to be like art, art, like an art. And for me now, it's harder for me to make content now that my business is more mature because it, it has to be more strategic and I find it boring. Like for me, it's easier to write when it's like about stuff that's not even related to business. So it's, a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting. Like give, give me an example. Like you come up to the screen, what happens? Like how like, do you get blocked? Like for me right now, right? I'm procrastinating. I need to post, I need to go and schedule a case study thread or long form. Um, and maybe some sort of tactical or giveaway or something along those lines related to lead gen. When I sit down, I don't want to write that. I want to write about like how fucking doing the infinite money glitch on GTA taught me how to build a team in business. Like that's what I enjoy writing about, but I know it's not the needle mover and I'm very self-aware about that. And like, I'll do, I could do both, but I'm like, my mind is like top of mind. I need to do the hard, the most important task first. So I just get stuck and I'm like, ah, oh, it's so boring. <laughs> Maybe I need a ghostwriter. <laughs> Maybe you need a what? I think I need a ghostwriter. <laughs> Maybe you just need to be a beast, bro. Yeah, just, like, be, just, be, just be a beast. Easy.
I don't. I I, I want to pick up on on one word that you did. You said like, you said twice. Must, must you do it? Do you have to do it? I mean, I don't think you do. Like not 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 particularly, um, but like I don't have to. But I am. I do. I see as I see it as a responsibility to my team to like do certain things. I also I think it's something to be said that not everyone has to be a content person. And I think like now because we're in the creator economy, like everyone thinks they have to be a content person. Like you, I think you have to create content, but I don't think like you have to be a content person. You know what I mean? Like if you look at the big guys and just let's take like a Patrick Bet David, like he's not sitting down making content. You know what I mean? He's got like a team around him to support him, right? You even said you have a team of three. So I think it's just like having a team to support you where you where you lack is important for for the whole content thing. Like, I think the the reason why sometimes content feels like kind of hard for some people is that marketing and I got this from James Kemp, but he's like marketing is to a degree manipulative. You want to make people do something or change something. And when I think about that, it feels icky. The energy is off. But when I change my strategy and you you know it, 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 you know how sometimes there's some platitudes that they're so basic but they just hit you like so hard and you're like oh so true best like uh like for me man it's like i hear some platitudes they're like yeah the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step i'm like oh my god facts bro so true yeah <laughs> or like it's it's uh every every loss gets you closer to a win i'm like yeah bro preach like you got this yeah girl so there's one in content that i think about often and for me it's actually quite deep i guess that's the equivalent of being a beast for him but for me was show don't tell like you have done a lot of things in this week or even in this month you changed the strategy you like maybe uh, let's walk into through an example you even said on the podcast your content wasn't really hitting and then uh you were like your competition or your friends were tripping, but then you told everyone, hold on, let's just stick to the goddamn plan because it's going to work, right? You said it, you created it. So you could even write a post on that. Last week, transparency time, because people love that word or that phrase, my content wasn't hit and I was stressed because my clients were not getting their results, I promised them. And I felt wrong. But then when my team was tripping and my friends were tripping, I made the executive decision to just stick to the plan. Engagement is up and down, but eventually it will go up. So now maybe sometimes you don't need to change everything. Maybe you just need to stick to the fundamentals. And the fundamentals, interesting word, because that's exactly what we focus on at the birdhouse, the fundamentals, the things that don't change. Creating constant stuff in a sea of changing algorithms because we know that algorithms change, but humans don't. Hire us. I'm your ghostwriter now. I'm gonna once this once this comes out, I'm just gonna transcribe that. <laughs> you, but you know what I mean. Like you, we're just talking about yeah. things you've already done. Yeah, yeah. yeah so when you show, don't tell. It feels so much less manipulative, and it's so much cooler. Also, it cannot be in anybody else's feed. It can only be on the Marcos feed, and that by itself is such an unfair advantage. So. Maybe, you know, you're, you say that you're maybe not a content guy or you create content for a living. What the fuck do you mean you're not a content guy? Yeah, I'm a content guy for other people because 
I'm just like more, I'm like more passionate about their businesses than I am like writing content for like writing content for an agency is not the same or it's not as fun. I should say it is the same, but it's not as fun as writing content for like an education. Like I'd rather write content for you than I would for me. Cause for you, really? it's like I get to play with different angles and I get to help all these, like you have so many different customer profiles which is fun to me. Whereas for me, it's like very much the same customer profile over and over and over and over and over. So like, that's what I think of when I think of it. I'm like, for you, I can target the stylist or the fitness guy or the, you know, the, the IG coach or the fucking speech coach or the language coach. And I can just go crazy with angles, but my angles are a little bit boring because I like, I'm just looking for like the 20 people who have like the same kind of business. It's just like, you know what I mean? Did you, did you think that's more of a grass is greener on the other side? Because like be, being honest, I've always wanted to do e-commerce. I think me doing online stuff is cool, but man, having a physical thing, bro, it's like the kill crew guys, like having people wear your message and your brand. I think that's beautiful. And I think that's really cool. All right. So I've always wanted to do e-com, but then an e-com dude messaged me, bro, I really want to do coaching. I'm like, Oh, okay. But then somebody else messaged me, man. Oh, I really wanted to sass. So grass is always greener, man. It's like maybe, you know, once you get off your jet lag, get a dope in detox day and get back in the train. I think you're a great writer. Don't get me wrong. The birdhouse is going to do a billion dollars in revenue one year. Is that, is that your, is that your goal? Like actually building a, a huge, Not huge the goal. Yes. That's the goal is to build a huge company that does a like a, a lot of impact more than just like 10 clients and 20 clients. Like I want a hundred. Um, I like Ogilvy's, do you know Ogilvy? Of course. That was, that was disrespectful. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I really like his stuff. Ogilvy's uh, agency called Ogilvy does like 5 billion a year in revenue. It's like, and he's not, not even a top five agency in, in the world. It's insane. You, th you think you'd be able to like, I'm sure, I mean, you can do it. Do you want to do it? I want to, I want to, so I guess I would, that remains to be seen, right? I have to hit like 10 million before I can see ahead to a hundred. I have to hit a hundred before I could see a billion. But like, I love when I look at like Gary Vee, his business is not that big. It's about a hundred million a year, right? Um, just according to the internet, it could be more. Uh, that's only the VaynerMedia, so only the marketing side. Um, and I love seeing him just like go to the office in Singapore and just like talk to like a hundred people that just like work for him that he's never met. And I think it's like kind of cool in a sense. Cause it's like his, it's like, I don't want to sound wrong. It's like spreading his seed. <laughs> Remember that one time we had a guest and we're like, Hey, welcome to the threesome at the Lexington cast podcast. <laughs> Uh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, it's cool. I would have an office, and for sure, I don't know if I'd go that big, but like that remains to be seen. I guess you just take it year by year and and play it. But I definitely want to get a lot bigger and have. I think it'll be fun if 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 it's done right. But if it ever if at any point I'm like this sucks, I would just stop. You know what I mean? Like, have you ever? Yeah. I know you you definitely have, but like when you get a little bit big and you're like, well, this kind of sucks. I think I'm just gonna like not do that. <laughs> like, yeah, you know what I mean. But I won't. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know. So like, yeah, there's um there's this graph. I don't know if you can put it up, or you, can, you guys can look it up. It's called informed simplicity. So in the beginning, uh, you're you just want simplicity. Then you complicate things, and then you realize simplicity is everything you needed. It's kind of the equivalent of the bell curve meme. 
So in the beginning, it's just, I don't want a business. I just want a business that allows me to live my life. And then in the middle, you're like, this is my personal experience. I'm not saying this for you, right? But for me in the middle, I was like, no, I want to build a $100 million business and be huge and have this like massive impact. But then I realized that was really complex and I said, fuck it, I want to build a lifestyle business. So I moved on to Inform Simplicity, which is the same thing as before. I just want to build, build a business that allows me to live my life. But you have to get there to understand why. Like you have to get the money to understand that you don't need the money. You have to get the girls to understand that you don't need the girls. You have to get like the really, like you, the ripped body to understand that maybe you don't want to be ripped all the time, right? Or maybe you do. Or maybe I'm just not there yet. You know what I mean? You know what I'm trying to say? I was like, I, I was, uh, I said like, no, I don't want to build a, a huge business anymore because I just, it was really bad. Like there was a time where I was like extremely stressed all the time. And I thought maybe, maybe this is not it. So I, I realized that for me at that moment, growing my business was the wrong choice. And we scaled back and it's actually quite nice. Well, you know what I think? And I, I actually like, I mean, you look at everyone's business differently, but for your business specifically, I think it it's really cool, like the way it's set up. And I think you have a, I could tell you're a lot happier because <laughs> you text me. <laughs> 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 is that is that what you tell your girl <laughs> hey girl i can see that you're after you text me once <laughs> <laughs> well it's you know what i love about your what i love about you what you're doing right now is that your brand is just like growing like your instagram's just growing your linkedin's growing your youtube's growing podcast growing like everything's growing but you don't have to like you don't just because you're growing doesn't mean the business needs to grow with it do you know yeah and i think that's a big thing that people think is like just because you're growing doesn't mean the business needs to grow at the exact proportional rate like you could maintain a million dollar business and then also 10x your personal brand without also 10xing the business because you just don't if you don't need to you don't need to you know what i mean that's a yeah. kind of thing. And like you're also getting basically 10x that goodwill and like you can unleash it later. You know what I mean? Yeah, you have you have the option. And uh Ryan actually wrote this thing. So Ryan's my business partner. We actually met for the first time here in, in Poland after doing business for a year. We made a few um we made seven figures together and we've never met, but we met here. And something I do is because Ryan's account is small, but he's a good, good writer. Sometimes he'll post case studies and my content strategy is copy pasting and sending. That that's my whole strategy. It's not stealing if it's from your business partner. Sure. So that's what I do. Yeah. So um he has a really good case study from this guy that um it wasn't even a monetary case study. You know, some case studies, even if you're in the wealth, you still need to be monetary. A lot of them are emotional. It was about he came up to us, he's like, I want to build an appointment setting team. He's like, Why? Because I see everyone doing it and I think that's the next step for you. He's like, Do you really want to do that? Or do you want to build something else? Uh, maybe something else. And the email went on saying, we build a business, we're told, not the one we want. We need a setter, check. We need a sales team, check. We need a sales manager, check. We need projections and a huge complex team and a customer success manager, check. And we never really stop and think, what is the business we want? Like, what is the business we actually want? And uh, we realized that a lot of the time we just end up building stuff because somebody else told us just because you're an entrepreneur doesn't mean you're not acting in an NPC way. And a lot of entrepreneurs, me included, act like NPCs very often. 
and we never stop to think, is this the thing I should be doing? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, man. All right, what you got on the on the, on the notion? Let's check it out. Genghis Khan invented incentives. So I've been listening to, and this is like kind of goes into what we were saying before, but I've been listening to, I, I don't know if you've heard it, How to Take Over the World, the podcast. Yeah. So I've been listening to How to Take Over the World. I listened to Genghis Khan, Leonardo da Vinci, and now I'm listening to Walt Disney. Uh, and in the Genghis Khan one, they were talking about, and I was thinking about incentives. And I was thinking, they were talking about Genghis Khan and the way he revolutionized being a general or being a, whatever you would call it, conqueror is instead of <laughs> instead of instead of going <laughs> it's so distracting instead of, instead of just going in and taking what's what's distracting me putting stuff in my mouth is distracting to you if you're listening you have no idea what, what just unfolded <laughs> yeah which means you should subscribe to the channel on youtube as well yeah hit that button <laughs> anyway, genghis khan yeah so genghis khan would go and he would go and conquer you know, entire villages, entire entire nations. But the way he changed the whole conquering scene versus the other Khan of Mongolia is when he went, he wouldn't just tell his army to go in and just pillage and destroy and take everything they want. He would go in, have them pillage, destroy everything and collect everything, bring it to him. And then he would redistribute the way, the fruits of their labor based on merit. So he would say, who performed the best? Who had the most killings? Who took the most children? Who, who lit the most houses on fire? And he would basically have like a leaderboard. And if you were the best, you would get the most of the rewards. You would get the most sheep. You get the most lumber. You get the most money. You get the most women. It's It was insane. So he basically invented incentives, which is crazy to me. Yeah, okay. It was, it was insane. I thought about it. And I'm like, that's basically how people run a sales team, a content team, whatever. You just base, base and you can base everything on incentives. Tell I run my team. So I thought it was crazy. That's a good one to be reading autobiographies. Like, you know, we, like, I think we covered this together. It's like we read biographies and autobiographies, but with like business books that just tell you advice, we're illiterate. We do not read that. And it's like so boring. You, we we cover this, yeah. What time? I, yeah, okay. I'm actually paralyzed if I open a book that's not. If I open a book that's just like business related, I'm like I fall asleep immediately. Yeah, yeah me too. The like the only way is if it's written like Atomic Habits, like it's written in a tweet format. Like you're essentially reading James Clear's tweets and you read Atomic. Well, you know what's funny is what I learned over the weekend, and this really just reinforces what we already do. Leonardo da Vinci um, talked about how he's like. Why would I read books when I can go straight to the source experience? So he's like, he would actually just experiment and experience things and like go and see for himself. He's like, why would I read a book on water? I could just go look at the water. <laughs> like, it's so smart, but like. That's so based. That's so. Holy, holy shit. No, he's like, so, you know, he actually dissected 20 human bodies. And he's actually one of the godfathers of anatomy. He actually used to dissect dead bodies to figure out how muscles were inlet into the body so that he could draw a better man. It was insane. And he actually had a competition with another artist, Michelangelo, and he blew him out of the water. Like Michelangelo was an elite sculptor. And at the time when they went up against each other, Michelangelo wasn't as great a painter. And it was just insane. And 
Leonardo is like, he's notorious for being an experimenter. He started reading books later in his life, but, um, you know, his first 20, 30 years, he was just like, he would just go to the, he's like, I could just go to the source. And I think it's like that for business for us right now. You know, we're young and like, obviously we're going to read more and different kinds of books when we're older. Like Warren Buffett reads a book a day. But I think in the season that we're both in, we're both just like, I want to read about the, the goats who have like a lifetime of knowledge. And then we just learn business by experience. It's kind yeah. of like we just become beasts. Quite simply, bro. Just, just be a beast. Just be a beast. Yeah, Easy. Okay. Uh, I want to talk on this because I like it. And I know Ryan's a geek on this. Like Ryan, Ryan is the old dude I'm business partners with. So what he does with his mornings is he sits down and he reads books about the third Reich in Nazi Germany. That's Ryan's definition of having a good time. Nice. So for the people who also like reading about history, what's another lesson in history or another uh, figure in history. I don't know if that translates well, but somebody in history that you've learned something that's kind of interesting with or a story about that. Yeah. So one that I think of is, is Steve Jobs and it's kind of Elon Musk, but Steve Jobs, he was just like, he, he was so cruel to people like in his immediate business circle. Like if you had a bad idea and I actually think I, I'm not gonna, you're not cruel, but you are blunt, right? And I, I th have we brought this up already? I don't uh, know. But I'll say it again for the context of this pod. Sure, sure. I think JK is very blunt and I think it's a superpower because when they talk about, and I've read about Steve Jobs and Elon Musk and many others, they talk about how blunt they were. And what it does is it basically makes your feedback loop 10 times faster. Instead of just beating around the bush and waiting and delaying things, if Steve Jobs, if you gave him a stupid idea, he'd be like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> he would say that same with Elon he'd be like that that was dumb like what are you talking about <laughs> like, and and it would basically it makes your feedback loop so much faster when you're that blunt and direct and you just like get to the point and you move on and I thought that was interesting about uh and uh, number two and I thought this would be interesting which is completely unrelated Steve Jobs Leonardo da Vinci Napoleon they all had distinctive ways of dressing and they thought that they had to dress a certain way or Leonardo da Vinci did to stand out. So Leonardo da Vinci would wear long tunics that cut off at the knee and they were always in bright colors. And Steve Jobs used to always wear a turtleneck. And I, I forget what Napoleon used to wear, but these guys all had distinctive ways of dressing that made them stand out. And I thought it was interesting and I, I don't know why. So I think we got to start doing that. Really? <laughs> yeah. Did, uh, did you know that Napoleon, there were some days that he, like Napoleon didn't, thought like having dinner or lunch was kind of a waste of time like eating was a waste of time so some days he would just drink milk I like that's all he did yeah <laughs> yeah he was the original <laughs> return to tradition twitter guru you know he he was the og of that people talk about caesar they don't talk about napoleon you know okay well i, w I was going to say something interesting on style is a big component you know when i came here i you know, I dress, I dress like a 12 year old. I just like wear the same shirts, wear a hoodie, call it a day. And Ryan comes in, he's dressing in like this, this cardigan and shit, and like this blazer and this winter coat. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of out of place. And he's like, okay, we're, we're buying, we're buying some clothes. And I don't like to admit it because I like practical stuff, but dude, like 
Dressing well is a really good advantage offline. Like people really do notice that. Come to the dark side, JK. Yeah, there you go. I mean, this is what we in the business call character development, guys. It's changing now. We're admitting our mistakes. This is your Shibuya arc. Yeah. This is this this is how we change stuff. But yeah, on on the point about being blunt, the um, you know something I I love, and this is not good. But when people reaffirm my opinions, even though they're not completely right, I love it. I know they're sometimes not the best, but I love it. One time I heard Sam Porras said this on a pot. He's like, I have a new rule. If somebody's a loser, I just assume they're going to die a loser. And if somebody's a winner, I just assume they're going to die a winner. And I thought I was a dick for thinking that. Now, I may, but it's so effective. It's so nice. Like if somebody says, listen, just assume they're going to be like that and just don't try to change them. Like the energy you gain from that is so nice. And when you bet on winners, like they may lose now, but eventually they really start winning. So I actually got more um, judging. Um, there, I did this with my with my friends and my family. I asked them, and this, this was kind of hard at the moment. So I'm like, ah, I don't know if I should do this. Quinn, if this is too inappropriate, you can cut it. But I uh, asked them, hey guys, do you think money changed me? And me, deep down, I wanted them to say, of course not, JK. You've always been the sweet little soul that you've always been. So, bro, like it was a unanimous yes. Unanimous. Everybody was like, of course. I'm like, damn, like, how did it change me? So this said two things. So number one is you got more ruthless you got more judgmental as in like if somebody like just is not like you don't see use or like any any sort of purpose to have them in your life you used to keep them around now you don't you just stop and the second one is you got way more racist (laughs) 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 <laughs> this is a quote from my family though it's not me so do I, do I get canceled for this i don't know welcome to the lation cash bud you see the over you could leave <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you can believe it if you want um for the ogs listening to the pod for a while you know exactly what i said but uh yeah so that's that's what they said so back to you did money change you you know what's funny is like i I would. I haven't asked my friends or my family, but I don't think it has. But I think it. Sh- I think it's because. I think it's because I'm scared for it too. But I think I should let it. I think I should let it change me more than I do. I think I actively try not to, but I think it holds me back sometimes. It's like, I find myself, muting, different habits that I'd like to have, like being judgmental. But at the moment, I just feel I like never want to hurt anyone's feelings. So I think that's my problem is I never want to hurt anyone's feelings. So I always just like, don't let it. I don't know. Maybe I'd love to see what people think in the comments. Should, should you be like more vocal about like your, because you basically what you, what you're saying to, you know, for lack of a better word is you have more boundaries. And I think I don't have boundaries sometimes. And I think I should is in, and when I say boundaries, it's like letting in kind of like darker poorer energy around it's like when you let when you let that energy in you let people verbalize like 
basically like brokey mindset. It's like, it's pretty much it. Like, it's just like when you let it in enough times, you start to absorb it. And I think it's tough because everyone listening is around it all the time. So like you, it's a, you, unless you actively repent <laughs> the actual energy, you're going to let it in. You're going to absorb it through osmosis. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, this is kind of why I'm moving to Miami is, uh, is to have basically a higher level of osmosis. I know you're DK's osmosis is basically just Polish coffee. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> it's cause it's cause I got, I got, I got everything you want here, bro. Like I love Poland. It's so nice. The culture, the architecture, you know, the vibes, you know, you know what I find funny? Every time I mention something about New York city, there cannot pass five minutes without someone saying it's the energy bro it's just the energy in new york it's just different listen had you been <laughs> i see for talking to a new yorker that i have been to new york when march 2021 or two doesn't count let's go there with your let's go there with your newfound wealth and let's see what what no no i i was making someone I, listen i am was the energy different marcos Summers in New York, like <laughs> if you go to New York in the summer, it's incredible. But if you go like the other nine months, it's not great. What is incredible? The energy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's like you know, it's like it's like location veganism. Like vegans need to tell you they're vegan. You need to say that the energy in New York is different. It's like. <laughs> just something's in the air <laughs> yeah <laughs> you wouldn't get it you wouldn't get it you're just in the trenches i wanted to ask okay. um about uh, your business partner because i have massive amounts of fomo of people with business partners because i just feel like i always want to have a business partner because i feel like the the big benefit of it is having someone that does the things you don't want to do and like they actively are good at and want to do certain things and you actively are good at and want to do other things. And it's like a perfect yin and yang. And this is just like, might be grass is greener. I always think to myself, I'm like, I hate having to do the things that I'm not good at because I don't have a business partner. How do you feel about that? I, um, I, I think there's, because I've run businesses solo and I've done it with a business partner. And when it comes to business partners, I learned three lessons that are important. The first one I learned is, do you even need it, right? Some things you're just emotional in the moment of making them. There was a competitor on Twitter. I'm not going to say their name, but for a very long time, like I was really emotional and I thought maybe you should just join them because I was like, they're just better than me. I could just, I could just be there. So like, do you need them is number one. With Tweet Hunter, for example, it was a software company. I needed it. Because they started the thing and I can't program them, so I needed it. But this one is I started solo actually, and I meant to own 100% of it. But when we got to like five, 10 clients, I thought this is hard. So do you even need it? And the second one you want to be very careful of is I think that if you get a business partner, it has to be, you cannot have too many cooks in the kitchen. So, full honesty, full disclosure, we've talked about this. Inside Tweet Hunter, there were too many cooks in the kitchen. There were two marketing guys, me and some other dude. And, you know, we disagreed on many things. So it made us slow. 
in a way because I wanted to do one thing, he went to another. It made us really slow. So if you're going to get someone, like, there's got to be, like, really, really clear boundaries. Like, you have to be, tell like, at the end of the day, you can disagree on this, but the call is mine. And at the end of the day, I can disagree on that, but that call is yours. And you have to stick to whatever is chosen. And the third one is they just have to be, I, I value a lot the directness and getting the bad stuff out of the way. When I partner up with my business partner, first thing I told them after, yo, you want to you wanna marry me? After uh, the first thing I told them was, here are the reasons, here's the bad feedback that my previous partnerships gave. I can be reckless, I can get emotional, and I can like sometimes go too fast. And I asked them, is that okay with you? It's like, okay. So it's almost like you want to sell them on, actually sell them on not partnering up with you. And if that process is over then, and you can get through that, then I think it it is worth it. So those are the kind of the three criteria. Do you need them? Don't have too many cooks in the kitchen and just get all the bad stuff out of the way early. Those are my advice if you want. Yeah, it's interesting because like I'm, personally feel i'm deaf not definitely but i personally feel that i'm too far in to ever get a partner anyway without like the equity is worth too much you know what i mean it's not it's we're not at zero so um but i do still think about it i'm like at this point is like it would just be a hire you know it wouldn't be a business partner did you did you have one already like more like a booster guy more like a mentor oh okay more like a mentor but um like for me i wouldn't i wouldn't be able to bring on a partner right now but like I do think about like, I love like branding, vision, oper- I actually enjoy operations, which is crazy. I never thought I would. I really don't like marketing for the agency and I really don't like a couple other things. And I'm like, I know, I know you do, you're basically the CMO, right? Yeah, I'm basically a CMO. Well, let me, shifting gears on this, how do you manage your relationship with a mentor? Sometimes I feel like I'm bothering them. Like I don't want to ask stuff, but then it's like, that's why you have a mentor. Because they can mentor you. So, like, how do you handle that relationship? Yeah. Um, I try to make it, like... Whoa. Did it cut out? I know. I was just... Oh, you're sneezing. Okay. Um, anyways, I tried to make it very high level. And my mentor is very blunt with me if I'm not being high level. So, if I say some... If I start saying things that are, like, kind of, like, low-level mindset or just... Can you give me an example? Like I've, I remember it once I said, uh, I basically said that, oh, I don't even need to, like, I don't really need to market because I get inbound and referrals. And he was like, what? Like you're, oh, you always market. Like you never, you never stop. Like, and I thought about that and I was like, like he, when he says things like that, he wants, he's like actively trying to make me feel stupid in a good way. Like I need it. Um, so that was what's the cadence like of that interaction do you talk weekly or monthly or text or Uh, like no no like every like probably like every other day text yeah yeah every other day through text and then we we talk on on a weekly basis on a call basically like an advisor call Um, Mm. so it's a good inner it's it's really helpful you know what i like a therapist (laughs) like a therapist it's uh people people don't like they pay for coaching and they never asked for coaching. Yeah. Like I, I realized it myself. I joined the coaching program and I was struggling with a bunch of problems, but I'm like, isn't this why I hired a coach? Should I just not ask him? 
So sometimes the answer is just that simple, like pay someone and ask them to help you out. And I realized that. So I'm like, I'm having this trouble and it's kind of annoying. So I asked him, he gave me my answer. I'm like, great, done. That's it. But I had to pay to get that access. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't know, free mentors is like, okay, I'd rather just pay because it's just easier for me to have that transaction and validate it. Like I saw, a, uh, I've, I, I subscribed to Andrew Wilkinson on Twitter and he posted, he goes, I don't really sell my time, but I know a lot of you want me to. So here's a link and I made it really expensive on purpose. And you click the Calendly and it's $10,000 for an hour. <laughs> That's so smart. It was just hilarious. I was just like, I know somebody bought this. <laughs> I mean, he's a billionaire, bro. Yeah, exactly. It's not $10,000 for an hour with a billionaire. I mean, if it was like, yeah, exactly. It's which is crazy. I'm like, how much is, how much for an, what an hour of Elon Musk's time costs? So if you multiply a billion times 200, so 200,000. 200,000 an hour? I feel like even that's too low. Yeah. I sell mine for 5,000 an hour. Has someone bought it? No. But I still have it at that point. <laughs> I'm not 1,000 an hour. And they, have People pay, they have bought it? Many times. Not, right. Like six times. <laughs> yeah. Dude, not bad. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I, it's because you know what I, you know why? Because I know that when I get on that call, I won't hold anything back. And I'll leak a lot of secrets and I'm like, I need to have up a number where I'm like, okay, I'm happy. I'm okay with it. I think you do you not feel kind of, do you not feel kind of awkward sometimes? Because I'm like, what if I pay and it's not worth it? And I just say stupid shit. It's worth it. It's always worth it. I make it worth it. I usually, I spit game on, on consulting calls. This yeah. is not a, don't book. Cause I don't even have a link. <laughs> I don't have a link. Right. Well, you know, Marcos, you know what someone can do if they want to buy some of your time, but they don't want to pay? They should just listen to the Likes and Cash podcast. They should just subscribe, hit the like button, share it with their friends. Honestly, because it does help the algorithm, guys. Comment the number one. If you think JK should switch the logo to the anime cover that he had way back when. <laughs> Remember with you with the ninja headband. <laughs> but but you're, you're not in that logo, though. So what's the point? I still think it's a better logo. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. We we should have like a K-pop style logo. You and I we're, we're in boy band, and it's just we're just dressed the same. You know, we have like pink hair or some shit, or like yellow hair. If we're gonna have any Asian style logo. It's gonna be anime, and it's gonna be JJK. And it's gonna be like Gojo and Utah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm down. I'm down. The only one. You're Gojo. You're Seal. Yeah, bro. Thank you, bro. Bro, you're spoiling this thing for everybody. Well, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm assuming nobody here, uh, everybody here is either caught up or doesn't watch. That's what I'm, I'm hoping. Yeah, we're in minute 54 and we're both like, I'm really tired and you're, and you're jet lagged, right? Because you came from bed. How's it? We have bags. What? We have bags under our eyes. Yeah, that's right. Wills have money bags. Yo, hey. let's go. So real quick, what are some culture shocks? Then you forgot about once you got to America, you're like, oh, right. This is a thing. It's a good question. Um, first day I got back, we went to a Starbucks drive through and we were talking to, we were like trying to give our order and the lady spoke so fast. <laughs> she was, we were like, can we get like a venti, you know, large latte or a venti latte, whatever. She's like, oh, yep. Venti latte, anything else? Like, what the fuck? I was like, holy shit. That was fast. And I'm just so in Bali, I was so conditioned. Everything was very slow and intimate. 
Like you couldn't get the check unless you fucking, you're going to have to throw something at the waitress to get your check. Like every, th- every time you order, they repeat it back. Like it was so slow in Bali and I got to New York and um, it was lightning fast. Like I felt like they were getting mad at us. <laughs> so that was the, the main culture shock. And then also it's just so dry. Like the air here, my knees are ashy here. It's so dry. <laughs> oh, you're like the te- like the thing is right. Other people, no, 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 the yeah. country, the, the country, like the air is dry in New England. And so, oh well, there you go. One thing that came here in Poland is I love this, bro. As an introvert, you never had to say say you never need to say hi to anyone in Latin America. Good morning, good morning. How's it going? How's your dog? Things you don't really care about, but here is like nobody talks, and it's so oh, nice. Like you just don't, you can just walk around like that. So that's one thing. We cannot end it on being antisocial or something. So what is one thing you learned that's cool this week? I learned, and I'm going to keep it on the Da Vinci theme because he was the highlight of my week. He said, and I have the quote written down, which is perfect. I'm going to have to paraphrase. It was essentially men of lofty genius spend little of their time working and most of their time thinking. And I thought that was interesting. That's some hard shit. Now that I'm traveling... I'm in the OPAD diet, one post a day diet. And I spend a lot of my time thinking about what I'm going to talk about. LinkedIn's actually been better for me than Twitter. And I have 200,000 on Twitter. I have like 10,000 LinkedIn. Engagement's better there as well as on Instagram. When you travel a lot, you get really good experiences. There's a reason why writers, Hemingway, he hunted. He was, Bukowski was an alcoholic. A lot of them were just like fighters. Like you do interesting stuff. James Kemp also had this really cool one. He said, How are you selling lifestyle content, but your lifestyle or your content is all about you being on a chair with a very expensive mic inside a room and you're never out, you're never doing things. So actually the cool thing about like the business we run, it's not that the less you work, the more you make, because that's not true, but the more you rest, the better ideas you have to make the money. So now resting is an important part of my day. And if anybody hears like burnout or like they don't have any content ideas, maybe you should try less. Maybe you should not try. And that's what you come up with the good stuff. Just be a beast. I like it. Cheers. All right. That was the plot. Cheers. Bye-bye.